The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? everybody and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. I don't need a nickname. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm going to call you Zeus anyway. <laughs> it was the name of one of my cats growing up. Nice. I uh, chose well. Yeah. Uh, the there was that uh, game that people would play online. What, what's your porn star name? Oh, yeah. And it was the... Uh, it was the, the name of your early, pet and the yeah, street your, you grew up on. The first pet you yeah you, you remember having and the, the street you grew up on. And it, that's not a lot of fun if you had a, grew up on, like, 164th Street. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my, my two childhood pets were two large black cats. They were named Zeus and Mercury. Okay. And uh, we grew up on Euclid Street. So Zeus my, Euclid. So yeah, my, my porn star name was Zeus Euclid. Yeah, very very Greek sound. Mine was so. uh, Rio Hill. Rio Hill's not bad. That's not bad. That sounds, that sounds kind of legit, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're not here to talk about porn. No, in fact, we're here to talk about something very kind of kind of innocent, and sweet, yeah, twee, and and uh, and mannered. Uh, we're here to talk about a uh, a television series from Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. Uh, and I think a lot of Americans are either unaware of Jerry and Sylvia Anderson mm. or maybe only hazily aware of them because it was a bit more of a British phenomenon, well, uh, their it, particular cadre of television it, shows. It was definitely way bigger uh, in, in the aisles. Um, over here in the United States, it, it, it was sort of like Doctor Who. Yeah. We got a few British imports, but they yeah. played on like public television at weird hours. Yeah, there were definitely people who saw stuff like uh, Th- Thunderbirds is probably yeah. their best known series. Yeah, uh, A lot of people probably yeah. saw that show and remember it somewhat fondly but um yeah they also did a ton of other stuff jerry and Sylvia anderson did a lot of television programs that were done in a form called super marion nation mm-hmm. uh, which is not exactly puppets but puppets that had like electronic moving parts they were a little um, bit mechanized they, it was a yeah. very particular style where they looked Almost like Uncanny Valley, like they were made to look pretty realistic. Well, it, it depended on which show. Some of the puppets done in Super Mario Nation did have like very exaggerated features. Like you look at the Thunderbirds, they're de- clearly their own design. Ah. Uh, and they have, they're kind of cartoonish. They have like bigger eyes and larger heads. 
the show we're talking about today, however, they used much more realistic human proportions to the point where a lot of long shots, you could swear they're using live action actors. And indeed, a couple of them, they definitely are. Well, the Secret Service that we're talking about today. Oh, and by the way, we're talking about the Secret Service. Criminals are motivated by greed. But Father Stanley Unwin answers to a higher source. Yes, indeed, we must remember that. Her Majesty's Secret Service. Magnificent. He's a man of considerable ability. A very forceful addition to anyone's army. Whose greatest assets are an honest face. Why am I telling you all this? And the Minimizer, a top-secret shrinking device. Let's just call it a miracle. With the help of his trusted assistant, Matthew, Father Unwin fights the big crimes in a small way. It will require a very unorthodox approach. Join the crime fighter who's one of a kind in The Secret Service. The Secret Service, which we're talking about today. (laughs) Sorry, I just completely threw the intro. When you say the name, Uh, you activate the clip. (laughs) Fine. Uh... Golly, and we're also going to be talking about The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. No! If you think Monty Python is outrageous, if you think Saturday Night Live is controversial, the president having sex with someone who works in the White House, preposterous, then you're ready for something completely different. Daddy's going to get some sugar. The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer, a comedy set in the White House, the Lincoln White House. Desmond, I've come to value your opinion. What do you think I should do? I'd connect that beard with a mustache. Premieres Monday, October 5th on the United Paramount Network. We can't find that show, actually. We've been looking for that show for so long. (laughs) Occasionally one episode. Occasionally one episode like pops up on YouTube or something. But we have never been able to find the complete series. And until we can find the complete series, we can't do The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. If you have it, let us know. If if you have it, first of all, tell us why you have it. And then secondly... (laughs) Probably for the same reason we do, which is like historical archiving purposes. Weird uh, oddity. But uh, to The Secret Service... (laughs) I can't believe you did that to us. The Secret Service uh, was a a little bit unusual in that um, uh, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson would film live-action actors uh, Mm. for a lot of it, but only in long shots, like when we see somebody getting in and out of a car. Yeah, so they'll just be too complicated to do. Long shots are difficult to do with puppets because you uh, can see all around them. Super Marionation, they were marionettes. Mm -hmm. So... uh, they couldn't pass through doorways. That was a problem with Super Marionation. You'll notice no, nobody entered a room. You always saw them standing in a doorway, and then they say, hey, can I come in? And the, there'd be, like, an opposite shot. Yeah, you can come in, and mm-hmm. like, the camera would drift in. <coughs> Bless you. Excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, they couldn't very well get in and out of a car. Uh, and they, they actually couldn't walk around too much. Um, there's a really great... Uh, sketch comedy bit from I think it's from Peter Cook and Dudley Moore mm. where they made fun of this uh, Jerry and Silly Anderson stuff uh, just by enacting the actions of the puppets because they had such limited action and they could like bend their elbow but they couldn't like pick things up it wasn't very sophisticated movement right. and indeed the faces were very static and I think a lot of people react negatively negatively to that well again because a lot of people look at a doll like a like a realistic looking doll and they get kind of weirded out because it looks kind of right but it's wrong it's like weird and still Mm. and plastic the mouths mouths would open but they'd barely open like the bottom lip of the the puppets would kind of vibrate open and closed a little bit yeah and that and then they'd have an actor dub it over uh 
the heads were pretty well, like the necks were pretty well articulated. You could turn and tilt their heads, mm. but there weren't like eyebrows. They had swiveling eyes, maybe. Mm. Um, and this this was the deal with uh, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson and their whole super marionation shtick. Yeah, um, and they did a lot of yeah, different I, programs. I was um, a big fan of Thunderbirds uh, growing up. I I got to see bits and pieces of them, however, only on a, on mm. American television. I saw like some Fireball XL five. Uh, one that I caught up with many years after the fact was uh, Joe 90, which is a show I'd love to do on Cancel Too Soon, but mm. it ran for like 30 episodes, so it was a little yeah. bit more difficult to Well, and actually, schedule. and again, this is another instance where British television works a little differently than it does mm. in America, which is one of the reasons why we're always pretty hesitant to do international shows because they don't necessarily... They're not all necessarily designed to last longer than one season. Yeah. And a lot of Super Marionation shows lasted only one season by design. And in the case of the Secret Service, the show was actually canceled halfway through its initial run. It was supposed mm. to run for 26 episodes. Oh. But instead, it only ran for 13. And it ran for 13 because the producer saw the show that they were making, didn't understand it, and decided to can it. Yeah. Uh, so... This particular series from Jerry and Sylvia Anderson is built around a celebrity. That's right. Um, yeah. it's, it, not, it's not a completely original creation. The idea is there was an incredibly popular comedian named Stanley Unwin mm. uh, who had a shtick. And they built an entire series specifically around that shtick. And that shtick was called, uh, often, Unwinese. Well, he, his uh, his shtick, uh, Unwinnie's, was that he would, um, and this is something Victor Borga did, there are a lot mm. of comedians who were known for this sort of thing, where they would kind mm. of invent a language, or yeah. a patois. Um, Victor Borga was very good about just sort of like making up gibberish language. Yeah. Like he just sort of mumbled, but it sounded kind of like a mixture of Dutch and German, uh, but it was just nonsense. Yeah. Um, Stanley Unwin essentially invented this weird sideways version of, like, rhyming slang, mm -hmm. where uh, it, it sounds like you can kind of understand what he's getting at, but yeah. it, a lot of it is just nonsense words. Yeah, uh, sometimes it was called gobbledygook. Mm -hmm. uh, there was another, what was, there was another name for it I found, hang on. Basic Angly Twenty Fido was another <laughs> name for his language. Uh, and uh, the idea is that, yeah, you can kind of, when he says it, and he says it so fast, he's not hyper-enunciating it so that you'll get what he's doing. Mm. He's just speeding through a monologue. And the monologue contains snippets of words you recognize, but they'll be somehow mangled, they'll be turned into a verb, or he'll add syllables to them. I'm going to pick a, uh, uh, there's a, there's a, a bit that's on, for example, Wikipedia. It's on his Wikipedia page. Uh, and uh, he did a talk on music called Populode of the Musicali. And I will not be able to do this the way Stanley Unwin does this. So I'm not well, even going to try. It, it's his bit. It's so, his yeah. bit. It's his. He, he knew exactly how to pronounce it, how to sell it. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do the, the accent. So I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to read you a brief clip just so you can get a sense of what it's like. They do, in fact, go back to the Ethel Rubber's unready, King Albert's burnt capers, where, you know, the toast fell in, the dear lady did get a very cross knit and smote him across the eardrum excalibold. <laughs> like well you, done. You, you heard some of that, right? Yeah, you yeah. can kind of get a sense of, like, where he's going with it. But other than just the idea that he's droning on about a topic, mm -hmm. you can't actually tell what he's saying. There, there were bits like this in uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus, mm -hmm. uh, but they, they were making fun of... Um, like pilot slang. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I got hit right up the house, your father. The cabbage crates are coming over the briny. It's like, and they would, and of course they'd stop. No, I, I don't, I don't understand that one. Yeah, that, that one went a little too far. So anyway, Stanley Unwin, uh, he had done some movies. Uh, he had done a lot of different albums and radio shows, and for whatever reason, and I don't actually have a lot of information about the genesis. Of the Secret Service. I wasn't able to find like an, any particular story about mm. exactly where the notion came from or why exactly they did it in this specific format. But they had an idea to take Stanley Unwin, a known comedian with a shtick, and make him into a priest. Mm. He's now Father Stanley Unwin, has his own name. And of course, he's a puppet. He's a super marionated puppet. But he's not just a priest. That probably would have been enough. Mm. Stanley Unwin is a priest. I'll watch that sitcom. That sounds funny. Mm. But instead, they decided that Stanley Unwin was a priest who was a secret undercover agent of the British government in an organization called Bishop. And Bishop was an acronym that I forgot to write down. Uh, <laughs> British Intelligence. Uh, secret Headquarters. Secret Headquarters Operation Priest. Yeah. So the idea is he's an undercover priest. And if you think about it... That's 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 a great premise. That's not a bad premise because priests are considered uh, relatively unassuming. It's not uncommon to see one anywhere you go. And, uh, you know, they, they, yeah. can, they, they stand out because, like, they wear what they wear, but nobody really... Thanks too much of them. Uh, they are considered most of the time to be um, peaceful, mm. quiet, kind of unassuming, yeah. very unassuming. Definitely not someone who's here to start a ruckus. Uh, and uh, they also do things like, you know, talk to themselves. So there's a gag where Stanley Unwin, Father Stanley Unwin... He wears, is, a, he wears a hearing aid, but it's actually a secret radio. Yeah, so this allows him to constantly be in communication with his commanding officer, called the Bishop, uh, and to take orders and to respond. And there is an elderly lady who takes care of the parish where he works, and every once in a while she overhears him taking orders from high command, and she says, did you say something, Father? Oh, yes, I was just uh, speaking. I was just, to, I was just praying. Yes, I was, uh, I was speaking just to the Lord. speaking to someone far away. And she says, yes, I understand, Father. I understand. I guess, well, How I guess, holy thou art. I, I guess I guess he couldn't lie because he's mm. a priest. Yeah, but, uh, it's in a weird position, talk, isn't he? Talking to someone far away. Yeah. Now, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that it's like pretty ethically dodgy to be a clergyman who works for a specific government uh, uh i mean yeah i mean well the the vatican vatican city is a government I, well, I you do work yeah. for that I, no all right yeah, yeah. Uh, british, i love i love it if they had their own spies <laughs> you ever hear about well, they, that they, they do we heard they about that in, in hudson hawk <laughs> And you're Hudson, right, actually. You know what, you're Hudson, right. And actually, Hudson Hawk is 100% reality. I forgot so. about that documentary, Hudson Hawk. Yes. But regardless, <laughs> regardless, you're Frederick, right. Frederick Wiseman's Hudson Hawk. <laughs> you're absolutely right. They did They did use that as a shtick. So yeah. that, you're right. There is a movie where they do that. Uh, and Hudson Hawk is underrated, I, so fair enough. But I know, uh, yeah. I, I don't know the fineries and like sort of the ins and outs of the Church of England. Yeah. And how it sort of... If it ties in with the the English government at all, well, it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't it the official Church of England? So maybe the, there the you Church can argue. Of England is yeah. Yeah, I was saying it is the official. So one could argue I, I at least in a comic book way. Sponsored. Well, I guess my point is in a comic book way. If you mm. wanted to do a fictional story, like um, 
for example, uh, there's a, uh, She-Hulk is about to become a television series on uh, Disney+, Plus, and I'm very excited because it's based on a good version of the comic I was a big, big fan of, and mm. one of the gags in that version of the comic was that uh, She-Hulk was a lawyer who handled cases involving superheroes and supervillains, but there weren't a lot of legal precedents for that. However, for the vast majority of Marvel Comics history... Marvel Comics were released with a Comics Code Authority stamp, which okay. was which was an actual symbol of the American government, which basically notarized all those comics. And anything that happened in a comic with a Comics Code Authority mm. is is uh, uh, is admissible in court. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> because it's officially from the government. Oh, that's really funny. That was the gag. So if you could if you could at least if you wanted to pursue that in a meta fictional sort of text. Right. But in any case, so the idea is Stanley Unwin is a priest and he goes on adventures. However, it doesn't stop there. That is a perfectly reasonable setup mm. for a, a somewhat satirical spy show. And then they decided to do just a little weirder. Because in well, addition the, to in addition to being this is actually kind of a clever twist, and, I, yeah. and we'll get well, to it. It's but, clever yeah. in a way, but in a vacuum, it's a weird addition to the story. But for the the Super Marionation element, it is clever, and I'll give you that. Stanley Unwin doesn't use a gun. He actually only has one big device, other than a Model T. He calls Gabriel for some reason, presumably a religious I, thing. Of yes, after the Archangel, I guess. You know, are, are there any other famous Gabriels you know about? Peter Gabriel. That's Peter. <laughs> if you're if you know him well, I don't think Stanley Unwin knows him well. You'd call him Mister Gabriel or just Gabriel in a in a sort of an official context. Listen, we're gonna let this go anyway. If I meet Peter Gabriel, I will call him Mister Gabriel. Okay, fine. Gabriel Byrne, it is. So in any case, uh, the other gag is he has an assistant. Named Matthew. And Matthew's cover is he is the groundskeeper at the parish. He handles all of the gardening and all of the little busy work around the place. Yeah, and he's generic, handsome, blonde man. Yeah. With a cleft chin. And uh, whenever there's a mission, Father Perry says, well, Matthew, we've got work to do. And they go up to their private room. Father uh, Unwin takes out a book. And inside the book, there is a gadget, a gizmo. A device, if you will. And he presses a couple of buttons, and then Matthew shrinks to one foot tall. He shrinks to the size, conveniently enough, of a Jerry and Sylvie Anderson puppet. Yeah. So they can take the same puppet and put it in sort of the the life-size props. Yeah, which and, saves them like a lot hide, of money on, hide, on locations and things, too. And stuff, yeah. yeah. So the idea is he, he there's, uh, Father Unwin has a suitcase, and inside that suitcase is like a little, like, little cockpit. Spy, spy easy chair with, like, spy portals and stuff. Yeah, and it, like, and it, like, it's got a, like, robotic matrix or whatever like that that, like, pushes the chair out so you can get in, and then the chair slides into it, and he's got, like, computer readouts, and he can, like, see outside the, the briefcase. And wherever Stanley Unwin goes, he takes the briefcase and then he just conveniently sets it down. Then a one foot tall super spy walks out and then he goes off on various missions doing one foot tall super spy stuff mm. and radioing uh, Stanley Unwin uh, for assistance whenever necessary. Uh, I, uh, that's weird. I kind <laughs> it's a of, weird thing. Uh, yeah, the, 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 sh- the shrinking is like the one fantasy element of this. Yeah, it's a, like, and, it's, and it comes out of nowhere. They just, they you just watch have it, it. like what the heck? Yeah. We're not going to explain that. No, the, the the here's the explanation for the shrinking device. Someone invented it. It's uh, <laughs> that's it. Someone invented that what, shit. What I love about the technology in uh, in 
in a Super Mario Nation shows. Yeah. And, and like, I'm not deeply experienced, but I've seen some. Yeah. You've seen more uh, than I have. This is actually the first one I've ever seen more than, like, one episode of. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, is, it is, like, throughout Sylvia and Jerry Anderson's stuff, presented completely matter-of-factly. Mm. The Thunderbirds just have those. They just have those big planes and ships and, and submarines that they can ride around in. True, but Thunderbirds takes place in a larger-than-life universe where there's all yeah. kinds of super sci-fi stuff. It's yeah, kind of like an anime series, like uh, Gatcha Man or something. Yeah, you know, they, they, they just have Supercar. They just yeah. have Firebell XL5. Yeah. But the difference is uh, that this one is a real world except there's this gadget. Uh, and well, well, Joe ninety, the one I mentioned earlier, mm. um, that's another spy show, and yeah. their secret agent is like a nine year old boy. That's Joe ninety, ah. and in order to train him for to be a spy, like they don't put him through spy school, they just put him in this big gigantic rotating machine, and that feeds information directly into his brain. Ah. So he has the information for the spy mission. Okay. And nobody, no one would suspect a boy. So I feel like the Secret Service and Joe 90 are really well, dealing with a similar shtick. Well, Joe 90 is also... I think Joe 90 is a little cleaner, though, because the fantasy is, I'm a little kid. I want to go on spy missions. But I don't the know only how thing, to do spy stuff. Yeah, you know, the only thing stopping me is I don't know how. And so if you just teach me how, I could do mm-hmm. it. And then I get to go on spy missions. So that's... It's a little elaborate, but it's a clean fantasy. Here, right. the fantasy is... What if my favorite comedian was a priest who was working for the government and occasionally shrank a guy to help him? <laughs> I never really had that fantasy. It's never been a daydream I, I really I, had. I do now after watching this completely delightful show. <laughs> uh, the the word I used was twee, and I think that's, that's even very that's up, even even very a word uh, Sylvia Anderson used to describe a lot of this stuff was twee. Um, uh, Sylvia Anderson acted on the show. I'm not sure if Jerry did. Um, to the best of my knowledge, I, think, I don't know. I think this one was a little bit more Sylvia was in charge of this one. Uh, they, they worked on their shows together. Jerry Anderson was uh, credited as like the sole creator for the longest time because sexism. Uh, but they both he and Sylvia worked on all of their shows from what Very I understand. Very directly involved, yeah. Um, Sylvia Anderson played uh, Penelope, Lady Penelope in Thunderbirds. Okay. Uh, do, do you see any Thunderbirds? Any of the movies? When TV I was shows? a kid, I saw. You see that I saw Jonathan, the movie, or I saw a couple episodes. Did you see or the Jonathan Frakes movie? No, I never saw all of it. I saw uh, like little bits of it on TV. I never okay, look, didn't seem very good, so I just never sat I, down it's, with it. It's, it's, I like it, the weird sort of candy-colored aesthetic of that movie. I appreciated that. That looked neat. Uh, the, but yeah, it's not well written or paced or acted or anything like that. Mm. They, they tried to make it a little, t- I don't know, like weirdly elaborate. Yeah. I don't remember who else was in that besides Bill um, Paxton was the dad in that one. Yeah, but well, well, the plot was uh, yeah. all of the the Brady's, the the um, mm. or Tracy's, excuse me, the, the Tracy siblings were uh, kidnapped. Like the the actual main Thunderbirds were taken out of commission. It was up to like the young, t- uh, mm. rebellious teenage character to rescue them and fight out against the the villain played by Ben Kingsley. Ah. Oh, music by Hans Zimmer and Ramin Jawadi, who did Game of Thrones. So that's a that's a hell of a pedigree, actually. I should watch this anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and the, the Thunderbirds theme song is pretty uh, pretty epic. notable. The theme song, by the way, the Secret Service is great. It's been one of my favorite <laughs> things about this show. It's really really cool. Uh, the it's, theme it's acapella. It's acapella with, with like a, a little drum beat behind it. Yeah. It's acapella, and it's and it's really it's really propulsive, but it's also very light and just like. It, it sounds like um, yeah. It sounds like the Swingle Singers. If you're familiar with the Swingle Singers, yeah. Uh, Ward Swingle, uh, this guy in 1960, yeah, uh, yeah, formed a, a choral group, and they do. Uh, 
vocal approximations of a lot of classical pieces, but they've also done a lot of jazz, and they put out a Beatles record. Uh, listen to the Swingle Singers rendition of the 1812 Overture, where Ooh. they approximate all the canons vocally. It's pretty cool. That's fun. Um, so, yeah, basically every episode of The Secret Service is, uh, there's a cold open with some kind of spy shit going on, mm. and then we do the uh, opening credits, and then Stanley Unwin is called into action, he shrinks Matthew, they go off into action, Matthew does some cool stuff, Unwin does some funny stuff, and at some point in every episode... There is an excuse for Stanley Unwin to do Unwinnies. Usually it's uh, he has to stall for time while Matthew defuses a bomb or, uh, I don't know, sets up some kind of important spy shit. Mm. Uh, sometimes he has to just befuddle someone in order to like get through security or convince them that he's someone he's not. Uh, but... Basically, yeah, there's at least one bit in every episode with some unwinnies. And then, yeah, and then they solve crimes. And that's basically every single episode. There were 13 episodes, and we're going to guide, we're going to walk through them. They're pretty straightforward for the most part, so this is not going to be super elaborate, I think. But we'll walk you through every episode because that's what we do. Uh, the first episode was called A Case for the Bishop. It aired in uh, September 21st, 1969. And at the beginning of the episode, a high tech computer called the KX-20, is stolen. And uh, it is up to Father Stanley Unwin and Matthew to get it back because the British government can't go through normal channels. It was stolen by someone with, and if you've seen Lethal Weapon 2, you know how I'm going to say this, DIPLOMATIC IMMUNITY! (laughs) Which is one of the great plot points. And I love it when anyone uses it. Diplomatic immunity is an idea that, uh, and it's true, uh, if you are a diplomat in uh, an official diplomat, like you're actually like, like named hired, hired the diplomat. by a country, yeah, yeah, I am the representative of America to France or whatever. Um, there is extended to you, and there there are limits to this. There is extended to you some leniency in the law. Hmm. You have diplomatic immunity, so that like you know, if you park if you if you park your car wrong. They can't yeah, give you a you're, ticket. You're not going to be like tied to a ticket back in this country. Yeah, you, like you, you're off the hook. For there's that. there's a certain amount of diplomatic immunity. Some slack is cut for you out of a political courtesy. It doesn't mean you get to kill people. No, <laughs> it doesn't extend that far. But there are lots of movies and comic books in which it does. Oh. In the the villain in Lethal we Weapon Two, arrest him because we had diplom- he had diplomatic immunity. Yeah, Lethal Weapon Two does not make sense. It makes sense like in a fun comic booky kind of way. I Doctor Doom enjoyed diplomatic immunity for many years in the comics because as the uh, fascist dictator of Latveria he was also the country's sole diplomat so wherever he went he had diplomatic <laughs> immunity which is really fun in a Marvel comic book I'd love to see him at like at the UN yeah I have I have used my shrinking ray and I've shrunk everyone here at the UN so that, so that Latveria will have the biggest seat at the table in every security council you can't do that. Diplomatic immunity. Okay, you can. <laughs> Shit, can we do that? You could if you wanted. <laughs> I was the one who did it first. I, I think it was in the very first episode uh, where um, uh, Father Unwin just lets the veil drop. Uh, he's pulled over by a cop. Yeah. Uh, and he drives a Model T. It's yeah. sort of this quaint, old-fashioned car. 
Yeah. It looks like the 1928 Porter from My Mother the Car. Yeah, it's bright yellow instead of yeah. red. But, but yeah. yeah. Uh, notable. Like, it's, oh, cle- yeah, it's clearly it's very, his car. It's very pretty. And they had um, a, and they had a model version of it as well uh, yeah, that they yeah. used for some shots with the puppets. And then and the, there's the a bit like... size of it where they could, like, yeah. film it driving down the streets of London. And then there's a, one episode later on we'll talk about where they actually shrink the Model T so you get to see it driving around the street like, yeah, a, yeah, like yeah. a remote control car. That's cool. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, but, uh... He, he gets pulled over and uh, he just explains to the cop, oh yes, I'm a priest and I'm on my way doing priestly things. And the cop is very polite. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll let you go about. And, uh, hey, can we talk for a minute? It's okay. I guess we'll talk for a minute, Mr. Policeman. And then he finally says, you know what? I I need to stop talking because uh, actually I'm a spy and uh, I'm working for the government and I'm on the way, on my way to a secret mission. And the cop's like, oh shit. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, let's go then. (laughs) So he's not a very good spy. Well, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he do that in Unwinnies though? So the guy's only hazily aware of like what he was. No, saying? No, he said it very clearly. Okay, I've, I I watched this show a little earlier than you did. I think it's yeah, fresher um, in your head because I, I saw it like I finished it a few days ago. You just finished it now. Well, but, I was watching it late at night, so it's well, kind of also m- mixed up with you know, tiredness. Fair enough, but yeah, it's one of those things where um, we're only taking this so seriously. Mm. Uh, but they do. They're able to. Uh, they actually. It's actually kind of an interesting, clever kind of concept. The the diplomat with the stolen computer is like exiting the country on an airplane, and Matthew stows away in the airplane and sabotages the airplane so that it has to land in a really tiny airport right next to like Father Unwin's parish, right. so he can be right there. <laughs> and then he like threatens to shrink him, and it's really fucking weird. Uh, but they do. They get the computer back, and every Bob's your uncle, and everyone's super happy. Uh, next up is a question of miracles. Uh, and that's one where, uh, there are... They have to protect a factory. It's well, like it's a, a bunch of... It's a desalinization plant. Desal- that's right. Uh, desalinization is, uh, the act of uh, removing uh, salt from seawater so that it becomes drinkable. Mm. Uh, which, um, you know, is useful, but actually really complicated and takes a lot of space. Uh, so it's a, it's a, you yeah, know, kind of a big deal to have a good desalinization plant, but someone keeps blowing them up, but they make it look like it's like a factory error. Like yeah, every time, yeah. like they're they've been online for like two hundred and fifty minutes, mm. they just blow up. I, I have, I admit, I have a, a an incredible weakness for miniature factories exploding on film. <laughs> well, uh, is this the show for you? Yeah, is it? Oh gosh, I, my inner eight year old was so happy watching this. Uh, I, I got the same thrill watching the Secret Service as I do watching like early Godzilla movies, oh where you know a guy in a Godzilla suit's just stomping around on those little buildings. That is yeah. way better than whatever CGI you got. Well, fair enough, and it, it's a it's a tactile thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like it's not something you could do, but you kind of can picture what's going on. Well, you can. It's um, it's like it's like something you could do at an amusement park or something. Like okay, here you go. You waited in line. Now you're gonna put on the Godzilla suit and get to destroy the city. And <laughs> when you're done, the city kind of like reinflates or something like that, so mm. the next person can destroy it. Like you can just imagine doing it yourself. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can see the pieces. You can see, you know, that when a building blows up in Super Marionation, it's clearly. Like the size of a shoebox and made of the same material, and when it burns, it burns, it burns wrong. Like the the, fi- you know? the fire is clearly much larger than fire. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, and in that mm. episode, uh, guess what? Mm. Stanley Unwin and Matthew stop the bad guys. Moving on. Is there anything else well, about that episode that's that's noteworthy? I can't really remember anything uh, noteworthy no, about uh, that uh, one. The thing with the the um the episodes of the Secret Service is uh, mm. apart from one or two. 
there's not really like a story that stands out. A lot of no. this is pretty boilerplate spy stuff. Yeah. So it's except not, for the except for the shrinky dude. The, the, well, the the premise and the characters are carrying this entirely. Yeah. Because the writing isn't clever. It's just no. about. And it's very uh, formulaic. Yeah, it's incredible, and you know it is uh, sort of a Saturday morning th- in mm-hmm. United States version of Saturday morning thing. Yeah. I don't know if this aired on Saturday mornings in uh, in England. I actually don't have the time mm. slot on this. I don't think it was. I think it was. I think it was mm. prime time. Um, this was nineteen sixty nine, by the way. I don't think we gave the actual. Uh, oh, I thought stats I did. On yeah, this it aired one. from September twentieth, uh, nineteen sixty nine, to December fourteenth, mm. nineteen sixty nine, uh, and it aired on ITV, which had uh, a series of. It wasn't just like one station. It was on like a different mm. series of affiliates. There was like thirteen of them, uh, and for whatever reason, this only aired on like. Some of those stations, yeah, like it aired in Granada. <laughs> yeah, it aired. It aired in like a, a fraction of the actual number of uh, channels it could have aired on. So the ratings were really low. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right, and it is definitely has a childlike mentality to it, whether or not mm. it was intended for children. Um, what I appreciate though is that it. Mm. Here, here's sort of the magic of Jerry and Sylvia Anderson stuff. Um, tell me the magic. Well, it, it's it's toys. Little kids want to watch this, mm-hmm. uh, not because there's some kind of weird angle to it. I mean, there are weird angles to it, and well, you're interested yeah. in sort well, of not, the shrinking not, machines. It's not because they're necessarily riveted by the characters and storyline. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, the stories need to remain kind of basic because the thrill is watching dolls do it the super marionation is incredibly fun to look at no matter how static they are how you know stony the faces or how kind of mm. uncanny it is especially when they get like live action actors in reverse and then they cut to like the the facial shot and it's a doll and it's a little mm. bit unnerving for a second yeah uh the parts where they uh where we see close-ups of actors hands like pushing buttons that's the part that always creeped me out a yeah little it's bit. always weird and they do it um but, uh, they do it for close-ups of hands. Mm-hmm. They do it for long shots. There's one shot in the opening credits of actual Stanley Unwin, like looking out a window. Yeah, live, actual live action. And I his get face. it. He's famous. You want to make sure people recognize that it's actually him. But at the same time, you are fucking with my sense of reality. <laughs> I don't well, want it, much. I just want it to be somewhat. Credits, con- that's okay. I just want it to be somewhat consistent. Mm. I doesn't need to make sense. I just want it to be consistent. So that it, I, 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 I don't know. Are these? Is this a universe where everyone is puppets, or is it just the style? But why is the style inconsistent? So that sometimes they're not puppets. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I'm watching this and I'm trying to figure out the logic of it. The way I'm trying to figure out like the logic of the Cars movies. Yeah. Which yeah. is to say, I'm doing it wrong. And I understand that, for example, when this is, you know, more of American, but um, when Pixar does the Cars movies, and these are movies in which uh, everything in the universe is a car. Mm. Every living organism, aside from a plant, is a car. Even bugs are Volkswagen Beetles. Yeah, get it? Um, There's no internal logic to that. There's no explanation. Like, there's this old theory that goes that, like... You know, there was a nuclear holocaust and all of humanity died, but all of the modern cars had onboard computers and they achieved sentience and tried to keep society going in the image of man, even when it didn't make sense for cars. And that's the best I got, but man, it does not track. 
It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's deeply confusing. Well, luckily, this isn't like yeah. uh, some weird post-apocalyptic future where people now look like puppets. This Agreed. Is, I'm just saying. This like, is a, a, I'm just it takes saying, place in reality. It just yeah. has some fantasy elements, some spy stories, mm-hmm. and uh, just it's realized with puppets. Well, that's my point. It's that Cars isn't actually meant to be unlocked. Yeah. Cars is meant to just sort of be appreciated by a fanciful mind, like kids playing with toys. And I think Super Mario Nation works kind of the same way, mm. where it, there isn't an internal logic to it. It's just kind of neat. Yeah. And we would like you to just go with it. Like, uh, there's um there's that YouTube series, uh, Pitch Meeting. Oh, yeah. With, yeah. Uh, I think it was Ryan George. Yeah, and we... uh, there's a bit in almost every pitch meeting, and all, the, all, the, all of these are mm. bits where some guy pitches some big Hollywood movie. And all of the things that don't work about it are part of the original pitch. Like, they were part of the that, selling that, point. That's kind of the joke. Um, yeah. And if it does, if uh, Ryan George plays both the executive and the screenwriter, so yeah. he's kind of grilling himself. And like, it, doesn't that make not not make no sense, whatever, this weird plot point? And, and then he will say in almost every episode, like, uh, I'm going to well, need you to get all the way off my back about yeah, that. You're going to have to get off my back about that one. <laughs> Or, or he'll just say, well, this needs to happen because the movie. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. And, and the, the executive rolls with all of these bad decisions. Right, but the thing is, is that there are certain instances in which I'm going to need you to get off my back about that is actually a legitimate response when that's the premise. Mm. If you don't accept the premise, we have nothing to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So if it's it's one thing if it's like actually vital, but on some level, if you can't handle that Super Mary Nation has puppets, if you can't handle that the Cars movies take place in a world where everything is Cars, you are not in the right theater. Yeah. You are not watching the right show. <laughs> You're going to need to get all the way off my back about that. Mm. And that's your problem, not mine. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I had to I had to train myself because I never really watched a lot of Super Mary Nation, to stop that, like to turn off that like part yeah, of my this, brain that tried to like unlock and to, like make this logical. Canonize it in and some I, way. And, and honestly, medium success at most. Like I, I really, <laughs> I, I struggle but, with these shows. I appreciate them. Uh, I can't get immersed in them. I can't just thoroughly enjoy them. There's always a part of me that's sort of just like, yeah, but that wouldn't work. Yeah, but why are you not a puppet now? Why are we? Be a puppet! Do it! <laughs> Stop not being puppet sometimes. It's weird. Anyway. I, I I don't know what your problem is, man. I can watch a puppet show and just enjoy the puppet. What about the Muppets? You like you know you accept their reality, right? Because they're consistent. Mm-hmm. You, Kermit isn't sometimes just a dude. But sometimes Kermit is like on a bike or something. Yeah, but it's still sometimes a puppet. Sometimes we see his legs and sometimes we don't. I don't mind seeing his legs. It's, right. it's a little weird sometimes, I'll grant you. Like, it, you don't always think about him. But mm-hmm. no, but he's never just like a guy in a Kermit suit. Yeah, but there's, we, a one, there's one moment in Muppets Take Manhattan where Miss Piggy is clearly someone in a costume running through Central Park. And okay. it freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> that is not right. You are not a, supposed to do that. That is wrong. They've hired stunt performers for all of the Child's Play movies. Yeah, uh, because, once in a while it's like a little, a little person or a Chucky, kid in a suit. Uh, yeah, yeah, Chucky is, uh, you, in close-ups, he's animatronic. And yeah. uh, and Don Mancini, the creator of Child's Play, has been very insistent that he remain animatronic, that he's yeah. never CGI. Uh, they even did that with the reboot. Um was he consistently? The, uh, I thought it was CGI once in a while in the reboot. I think there might have been a few like walking shots where okay. uh, it was CGI, but all the close mostly it's animatronic. animatronic. It's creepier that way. It's yeah, all yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, whenever they cut to 
someone who is clearly a stunt performer or a child in a suit. Yeah, that's a little... Throws it off a little little bit. I reminded Uh, of uh, the the Puppet Master movies from Charles Band and um, some of the better earlier Puppet Master movies. stop motion. There's some stop motion. It's not all. It's usually a marionette. It's Mm. usually just a puppet. But every once in a while, you'll just see Blade jump off a bed on his own and walk towards the camera. That shot freaks me the fuck out. (laughs) That one shot where he's waving the knife. That one shot is fucking epic. It's It's everything. Yeah, it's really fun. I forget if that's one one or two, but it's great. I know uh, one of uh, of the uh, puppets in Puppet Master is called Pinhead. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just uh, this big bruiser puppet with like a little tiny head. Yeah. And uh, occasionally... uh, He has giant hands. Giant hands. That's his gag, yeah. With like fingerless gloves. and, And he strangles you and they'll cut to like close-ups of uh, the hands and he can like manipulate stuff and of course they get an actor's hands to do yeah. that and in the close-up yeah y- you look at some of the behind the scenes stuff and you see the actress they, they uh, got it's the same actress playing the hands in all of the movies yeah and she gets to like punch people in the face with this puppet <laughs> over her arms like, yeah gonna thwacking people that's really fun yeah it's awesome but again uh, consistency consistency uh, is all I ask but uh, the that's why the Muppets is, are fine the consistency is fun there is that kind of uncanny effect with uh, Super Mario Mm-hmm. because the puppets are given human proportions yeah uh, so when you see a human in their place it's not so off-putting because the puppets also have human proportions it is and if, it isn't if like they it tried to be... do that with the like the tracys in mm-hmm. thunderbirds because yeah. their proportions are a little different and you put a live action actor like with a big head or something it definitely wouldn't work that would have well. been really weird it would have been worse i'll give you that and, I'll, and again one of the gags though and i think this is the thing that that really helps Mm. Because again, the idea is that Matthew shrinks for no other reason than because it's cheaper mm. <laughs> that way. Like he just—they're saving so much money on it. I'm sure they thought it was clever, but it is. But it's we're saving money. Whenever there's a bit where Matthew is a as a little one foot tall mm. super spy interacts with something normal, uh, it works because I believe everything. Because he, he looks like a puppet, and that's there's it, there's yeah. at least two episodes in which Matthew is attacked by a dog, and it's a real dog. Yeah. One yeah. time I think it's a bulldog, and the other one it's like a mastiff or some big dog. And I'm I'm really glad they didn't make a puppet dog. Oh yeah, it wouldn't work. That would have been weird. But like, there's a bit where he's like in a backyard hiding inside a doghouse. And the, the and he like he's just like got his arm around the dog like we're friends uh-huh. at that point like and it's just a doll that's like clearly been like hooked around like a dog's mm-hmm. collar and it's fucking adorable but I believe in the reality of that because we've got a we've got scale you know like I believe in the scale of it and it makes sense within the context of the story being a doll doesn't necessarily always make sense in the context of the story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, let's just burn through a few more of these uh, episodes just so we can be thorough about this. Um, let's see here. Is, uh, there's uh, the, to Catch a Spy this is where there's uh, a prison break. Uh, wasn't that the one where um, mm. a guy's hiding out at like a, a billionaire's house yeah. and, and they, uh, they're they going to like airlift him out by some futuristic device like yeah. a, like a some sort of futuristic helicopter yeah i think this is the, i and think that's uh, the first one where matthew has to like fight a dog yeah and that's yeah. that's one of them he has to sneak yeah. into this estate um mm. uh you know what i think is missing from uh secret service actually is yeah. like a, a consistent enemy organization yeah we need like um like a smash or something. What was know? it? What was it in Get Smart? Chaos. Chaos, Chaos was yeah. in was in Get Smart. Yeah, it's always just generic bad guys. I, I, get I, that I don't. don't want, I don't want the same organization every episode. No, no, no. But you want someone to fall back on, mm. and it, and you should make something up. It's more fun that way. You don't want to just be like, ah, you know, the French. <laughs> You're always. <laughs> 
always after us. You know, like, just pick some random country. Who, who's the bad guy? Ah, oh, France. Why not? <laughs> Uh, next so like, so like, yeah, I, I agree though. I think it would give the bad guys a consistent personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the next episode is called "The Feathered Spies." This is a fun one. Uh, it's uh, some some spies have been figured have figured out a way to get like a whole bunch of information on like uh, brand new like airplanes and like uh, aeronautical equipment and weapons, and they can't figure out how they're doing it. And it turns out they're attaching cameras to pigeons. He's a pigeon fancier. Yeah, and they're going to use the pigeons to blow up the planes. There is a, a certain category of nerd. <laughs> okay. That uh, do- Where are we going here? doesn't really exist anymore. And, mm-hmm. uh, the I, pigeon nerd? The pigeon fancier is one of them. So ah. a, you, because Bert from Sesame Street was a pigeon fancier. That's true, it was. Uh, ghost dog, pigeon fancier. Yeah, P- uh, the bad guy in uh, The Suicide Squad. That's right. He was he was a bird fan. He like had that cage of that little uh, yeah. aviary in his. That was in his a bad guy. It was someone in Suicide Squad. One, one of the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not a plot point so much anymore. Now, I mean, the, the Suicide Squad, but that's kind of like incidental. It was meant as yeah. like a symbol of his his decadence. Yeah, but yeah, it, it used to be that would be more of an incidental plot point, and like mm. in New York, there would just be. Oh, I think uh, John Wick didn't Lawrence Fishburne have uh, have been? Oh, that's right, he did. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that there it's a, a few. It's, it's not as common as it yeah. used to be, though. It used but to be yeah, relatively the, the idea of being really point. into pigeons yeah. is something that I re- have seen in, in media a lot. Of, from mm. earlier media a lot. And I think it might all stem from, of all people, Charles Darwin. Ah. The original pigeon fancier. And uh, if, if you've ever read uh, Darwin, first of all, sorry. Uh, <laughs> He's a bit dry. Uh, 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 yeah, d- dry like the Sahara. Open is... with the joke, Charles. <laughs> Char- Charles Darwin was hired to be, like, the conversationalist uh, man to keep the captain company uh-huh. on like long ship voyages, and he was fired. Yeah, was like he couldn't. He can't just talk to guys. Yeah, and, he was. Uh, it was weird choice for that job. But, okay. uh, but yeah, Charles Dar- Charles Darwin was into pigeons, and because yeah. he was into pigeons, he noticed. Wait a minute, why are the nostrils slightly bigger on this pigeon and not on this pigeon? And he, that's when he started to kind of get the germ for evolution. Thanks, I'm pigeons. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's all because of pigeons. Uh, the next episode is called The Last Train to Buffler's Halt. Uh, this is where uh, it's kind of a great train robbery kind of riff. Someone steals There's a like a little more action in this yeah, one. They, yeah. They've stolen like a million dollars in in uh, pounds, in pound notes, and uh, it's on a train trying to get perform a getaway. Uh, Stanley Unwin and uh, Matthew are on the train, and the train, of course, uh, it's a runaway train. It becomes a runaway train, and they have to divert the train and. Um, it's uh, it's fun because there's a lot of train models on this one, mm. you know. And they actually they 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 put a little extra effort into this yeah. one. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of new sets and yeah, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. uh, speaking of nerds that aren't around anymore, the people who memorize train schedules, yeah, train which spotting, are, which I think is literally a, it's called train spotting. I, I think is a, a little bit more of a specifically English phenomenon. Mm. My dad was really into trains. All right, uh, we had uh, Brio train sets like those oh, yeah. wooden trains. Yeah. Oh, those are so great. Ho scale. Yeah, those are fun. Uh, we, we, we brought him out every single Christmas and we built a train around the tree. Yeah. My, really my, nice. my sister did that as well. She had yeah. an HL model. She, um, I wasn't allowed to touch it. <laughs> I have an older uh, sister. You have an older sibling. You can't touch their stuff. All right. The next one is the golfing episode. And this one's kind of stupid. Um, <laughs> oh, I like the golfing episode. It's, it's fun, but it's kind of stupid. Well, I, I like the conceit that, uh, bad guys are communicating via golf ball. Okay. So the idea is that bad guys have figured out that various people in, uh, the... 
intelligence service in England are basically shooting the shit and kind of letting classified information slide as they golf. Mm. So they have replaced some of their golf they've, balls. They've tunneled underneath the golf course. Yeah, they got a little... Instead of these little spy... Uh, little spy spy lab. Underneath the golf ball holes. Yeah. Where they can take out of a golf, uh, golf yeah. ball and replace the it golf balls own. have have little, uh, like, uh, tape recorders inside them. And uh, when the golf ball goes in the hole... The golf ball then quickly disappears and is replaced by another ball, and then that golf ball oh. is removed, opened up, and then they hear top secret spy communiques, uh, which um, you know, the solution to that is to tell those guys to stop doing that shit. Mm. They're clearly terrible at being intelligence officers. Stop talking about shit, and at the very least, stop going to this golf course. But of course, they also have to catch the bad guys, and so it all boils down to Stanley Unwin deciding to uh, engage. Uh, one of the uh, government types in a game of golf, and instead of hiding a uh, an audio recorder in the golf ball, he hires a timed explosive. Yes. But he's got to get it in the hole at exactly the right time, and wouldn't you know it, he like pitches it into the rough. <laughs> if he doesn't get it into the hole, like if he doesn't pull like this impossible Caddyshack two shot, <laughs> he'll blow up instead of the bad guys, and that's that's fun. Yeah. It's kind of stupid, but it's very fun. They they managed to wring tension out of a priest playing golf, all right? <laughs> That's kind of fun. Uh, t- to repeat, this is this is a very quaint program. Yes. Uh, it, it rings thrills out of very uh very country lo-fi kinds of things. Yeah, like, for example, Runaway Weapons of Mass Destruction Robots, which is the next episode, mm. Recall to Service. Uh, there is a... Uh, Computer automated tank. tank. It's a tank, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's a there's a saboteur who uh, sets it to like run amok and like destroy all of England. And Father Stanley Unwind has to find a way to like fix the programming on the fly in this like, punch card kind of machine, <laughs> and uh, and stop the bad guys by killing them, you know, priest style. Um, <laughs> Thou shalt not kill, except well, uh, well. The uh, Bible's kind of hazy on that, actually. It'll say it flat okay. out here, but over here it's kind of fine. Um, Be honest. Pardon? It's in there. Well, I, I don't remember... Uh, I can't quote a passage where murder is advocated, but uh, <sighs> they say thou shalt not kill a couple of times. I'll go with that. They also say that's an eye for an eye, but okay. Uh, moving no, on. No, that's not a command to humanity. I didn't say it was a command to humanity. God I'm saying it's I, in there. And I, uh, I just said it's in there. And I, it's the, in there. The, the phrase eye for an eye is not a call for you to do justice. Okay. It's a call for the punishment to fit the crime. Yes. If you take an eye, you don't kill them. Mm-hmm. If you take it, if they take an eye, you take an eye. Doesn't That's the fit. idea. It's about equity. It's okay. not about revenge. I apologize. Listen, I'm going to apologize it's right really, now. Really, really misinterpreted. I'm apologizing right now. <laughs> I, I was just pursuing it for the purposes of humor. Right. I apologize. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to backtrack. And we're going to let it go. No, okay. The phrase eye for an eye is, is really misused. It's a lot of things yeah. in the Bible are really misused. Which is, kind of my, which is kind of my point, yeah. is mm. that you can kind of cherry pick it and some people mm. take the wrong message and well, they think it does justify some bad stuff. It, how about this? It's it's an old book of history and stories yeah. and written by authors from thousands of years ago. Sure is. Um, most of them weren't necessarily first-hand uh, Observers of the history mm-hmm. in that, yeah. So, uh, so, so like it, 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 it stands to reason, yeah, that uh, you want to take some of it with a grain of salt. Like our mm-hmm. next episode of the Secret mm-hmm. Service, where Father Stanley Unwin has heat stroke, 
and falls asleep. <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, there's some racist imagery in this one. There but, sure is, but there's it's a fun premise. Um, so yeah, he falls asleep and he gets to have a dream where he does bigger spy stuff. He's a little bit more like James Bond in yeah. this one. So he gets to fly around and well, he's, go and to he, exotic locations. In the opening, he is working. He's uh, maintaining his Model T, and uh, the old lady who uh, who works for him. Uh, says, you know, shouldn't you at least be wearing a hat or something? You've been out in the sun a really long her, time. Her name is Mrs. Appleby. By yeah, the thank way, you, Mrs. Yeah. Appleby. She, she's that's Sylvia Anderson. Thank you. Uh, she's like, you should, you should wear a hat. And this is something I've learned actually because I got like a bald patch now. And uh, not that long ago, I was forced to like sort of be outside for a long time. I got burned right it, on the bald spot. Well, I got burned, and well, it actually like it just it affected me more. It actually like really took oh, it out okay. of me. So that's something I learned the hard way. Um, but um, so yeah, Stanley Owen gets heat stroke, and he has to like basically just take a load off for a day. And he has a dream in which uh, he is given medical supplies to send to Africa. And in order to get to Africa, he has to fly his Model T, which is now a plane. Which is a very cute image, very mm. chitty chitty bang bang. Uh, absolutely, yeah. uh, he, he lands there. Yes, uh, like I said, it's there's it's, a, it's some about bit as with uh, unpleasant. The, the, images. the African yeah. characters are about as sensitive as the ones you'd see in King Kong. You know, they're, they're yeah, which is to say, not not at all. At all. Yeah, uh, so that part isn't great, but there are some cute bits where like. Uh, the bad guys send fighter jets after him and they find out it's like yes we will we must take out the interlopers and it's like uh, i don't know if we can do that sir they're flying a model t <gasps> a model t god help us all we only have five jets <laughs> like they're all screwed because he's flying a model t um a lot of really cute imagery in there, but yeah, the racist stuff really it, it sinks it, it really sinks the episode it, it sinks the episode uh i I appreciate, though, that this is, like, maybe the one character episode. Mm-hmm. We don't learn a lot about Father Stanley Unwin. He just does his job. He's, no, we get, he's, he's a kindly old priest. We get to see inside his subconscious a little bit and see the things that he values. There's also an, a hint, at least, because at the end of his mission, he's like, and he's like, oh, yes, well, congratulations, you've delivered the supplies, and uh, you're now, uh, here's your reward. And his reward is he wants to take a nap, and it's like, of course, well, come on in, and he's, at, he's home. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Appleby is there, which suggests a certain... Almost romantic attraction to Mrs. Appleby, like a little, certainly a mm. connection. Well, friendship, anyway. I, I think it's a little bit more than friendship. Maybe it's more familial than romantic. But regardless, he clearly values her, and it's really yeah. important to him. And so that's kind of sweet. So we learn a little bit. Dream dream episodes, a lot of people write off dream episodes because they don't actually happen. Mm. But I would argue that as long as you learn about the characters, they count. Yeah. And uh, aside from finding out that Stanley Owen is racist, which sucks... Uh, the character. I have nothing, no idea about the oh. about the man, but the character in the show, little racist. Uh, apart from that, this is a this is a cute little episode, but you know, can't really get past that, can you? Uh, the next one is called uh, the, the Deadly Whisper. I, I wanted to share a, a little. Uh, oh yeah, I wanted to share this series with my son. Uh, oh. he's seven. I thought, oh, that'd be fun. It gets to see the little puppet characters. Uh-huh. There's something in, inside every child. I think that could respond to that. And he walked in right during those racist scenes. The exact wrong it like, time. It was like, hey, dad, like the what are you only watching? episode this you one? don't oh, want him to see. Sh- <laughs> okay, we're gonna have a talk. Gotta explain this. That's, that's not a nice way I'm, to I'm, pick people. I'm proud of you for taking the opportunity to turn into a learning moment, even yeah. though it was obviously inopportune. But I'm proud of you for that. That's good. Mm. Rather than just we won't talk well, about man, this, which I think some people wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, the next one is called the Deadly Whisper, and this one, um, 
Like a lot of as episodes the, of this the, show the is sound about sound rifle. Well, a lot of episodes of this show are about how the British government is making a lot of weapons of mass destruction and bad guys are trying to steal it. And it always weirds me out. There's so many like shows and movie series and comics or whatever where they invent these giant weapons of mass destruction, but no one ever uses them. Like in this one, we've got a ultrasonic rifle that can like shoot sound waves at things and blow up planes, which, yeah, that would be useful in war. Mm. Not ethical, but useful. Um, You never see him use it after this, though. Like it Mm. seems to work just fine. You think that would be Take standard issue? And, yeah, right? put it on the battlefield. Yeah, why don't why uh, why do we never see that robot tank? I realize we've got some like kinks to work out with the guidance system, but it mostly works. Like we always do this. They, we they invent ran, these they, giant pieces of technology and then we never use them. They they ran out of funding. Such a waste of money. Like, well, you what's a waste of money? You funded them, they work. <laughs> you ran out of funding right when we're about to go into mass production? Mm. It's terrible. Um I, I think I prefer that the they be taken out, uh, especially if a priest is the one mm-hmm. defending them. I agree. Oh, I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying from from the show's internal yeah. logic. There's uh, a, 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 a film that came out a couple of years ago called Hacksaw Ridge, where Andrew oh, Garfield yeah. played a, a, a Christian pacifist mm-hmm. who did not want to touch weapons during World War II, but, but he still did want to assist. contribute yeah. in the war effort Mm -hmm. and that film never really gets into the nitty gritty of pacifism or the ethics of war from a Christian standpoint. No, it, Um, it it brushes up against them and then it just decides not to really deal with it. But it's more about sort of his personal struggle. Yeah. Uh, Terrence Malick's a hidden life does that instead. Much better. Yeah. That's about Uh, sacrifice. That's about uh, principles. Yeah. The secret service doesn't have a lot of theological discussion. (laughs) A lot of episodes end with Stanley Unwin having just destroyed, Mm. you know, super spies and in giant explosions or whatever. Then going back to his parish and then reading a a, a psalm that kind of reminded him about that. Recently, I shrank a guy and it kind of reminded me of Psalm 2313. Which which reminds me rather of our Lord Jesus. Um, Who was very... Small at one point. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so yeah, the next one that was Deadly Whisper. Mm. Uh, the bad guys capture the scientist's daughter to force him to do it, but then they yeah, save the a girl. Hostage and situation. Yeah. The next one's called The Cure, uh, and this one in, in which an, an evil assassin goes to a health clinic, and uh, oh, yes. Father Stanley <laughs> Unwin, Father Stanley Unwin, has to go to a health clinic too, and they'll feed. They're feeding him like nothing but carrots, and it's like mm. ah, health food really sucks. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's about, like, a, a killer food additive. That's what the episode's about. Right, right, right. Um, not a lot of respect for medical, uh, like, health institutions and in a lot of uh, movies well, and shows of the era, but... I, I think, um, because this is, like, a, it's like a spa, right? It's not, yeah. it's not like a, a traditional hospital. Uh, yeah, and, and indeed, yeah, it's considered so it's, it's considered kind of a... But the, what point is this? They, they treat it like it's a crock. And, indeed, there were a lot. Mm. There were a lot of various health fads over the years, many of which are still going, uh, that are not really based on real medical science. They're just, uh, they're, 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 they're there to con you out of money. Yeah. Uh, there are also 
good healthcare clinics that actually do care and like mm. want you to get better. But in movies, we almost always see the bad ones. And indeed, I probably would be suspicious of anyone someone tried to send me to. Yeah. Perhaps only because of shit like this, though. I honestly don't know. There's still some that we just sort of say really, really casually. Like, mm. oh, I'm going to get some dark chocolate. There's antioxidants in that. Yeah. Like, Oh, is that- has anybody ever been hospitalized for being too oxidized? It's... <laughs> Oxidants are, you know, they're free-floating radicals in your system. They're not necessarily mm. part of your system, but uh, I don't think there's any kind of sound medical backup to prove that they're super detrimental. Yeah. I mean, they might not be great, but they're not... So, if you're going to eat dark chocolate, eat it because you prefer dark chocolate. Yeah. Don't, don't pretend like your chocolate has medicinal value. It's chocolate. It's uh, fun. The next episode in airing order, I think we watched this in a slightly different order, right. uh, was School for Spies, uh, in which uh, Father Stanley Unwin and Matthew investigate. Uh, a bunch of military installations have been exploded, uh, but there seems to be no connection other than a literally a school that trains spies, which you'd think would exist. Yeah, uh, but they train mercenaries for hire. They don't actually work for a particular government, uh, and they just farm their people out to whoever wants them. And much like Father Stanley Unwin, they've decided that the perfect cover is a priest. So a bunch of priests are seen running away from military installations that are just blown up, and one recently uh, got in a car accident right afterwards. So Father Stanley Unwin goes to see him. In his in okay. his in the hospital. This one is like barely in my brain. I think I watched this one like at we, two in the morning. We watched or this something. one just now. Well, oh wait, this <laughs> like, one. Really watch this right in front of me. Oh no, wait, that's, that's, that wasn't this one, was it? It was. Oh god. Yeah, it's like it's really it's 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 oh, right, kind of then. convoluted, but basically. Uh, because this guy is, because this one assassin's in the hospital, Stanley Unwin, who already is a priest, decides to go undercover as an explosives expert, even though he knows nothing about explosives, and he has to fake his way through it with Unwin ease. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then they stop right. those bad guys. I just watched this one, and I don't remember it. Yeah. Uh, the next one's called Mayday Mayday, uh, in which uh, Unwin is assigned to protect the king of Moldovia. Not uh, Mo- Mo- not Moldova, but uh, yeah. Mol- a fake, fake country. Fake Moldovia. country. Uh, uh, who's, one, who's, one, of my, one of my pet peeves. Don't make up yeah. a country. I know geography. but uh, and, uh, and, he, and he has a brother who is trying to assassinate him and take over the throne. This is the most violent episode. It's uh, pretty this, happy, this actually. has like, a, a lot more gunfire, and mm-hmm. we actually get to see puppet characters like die on camera. Well, and one of, them, one of them, I forget if he dies, but one of them go, gets taken out in a pretty brutal way. So all of these episodes, there's Matthew walking around like, you know, like one foot tall, mm. looking like a horror movie character. Like, it would, you know, just absolutely just like weird creepy, like jumping out of cabinets going, ah, and stabbing you in the face, I assume. And, uh... <laughs> So, yes, Matthew is stabbing people. He's in the just face constantly on the he's just chasing after Karen Black. So uh, the but there's at no point in almost any of these episodes does anyone actually see him. It's really rare. He's usually completely incognito. In this episode, there's an assassin who's trying to kill uh, the leader of this country, and he sees Matthew and he yells, "It's a demon! A demon!" And then he jumps out of a window. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> and presumably dies, which is a hell of a plot point. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, 
he saves the king. And there's also this is also an episode where they pull out that old chestnut where uh, the pilot of an airplane has been taken out, and, and Father Unwin has, has to, to land the has plane. To, yeah, take take control of the plane, and it's yeah, yeah. it's a, a good tense. Yeah, pretty pretty amazing. And the last one, this is actually I think my favorite episode. This is the last one to officially air. is called "More Haste, Less Speed," and this is the counterfeiting episode. It's, and uh, but it's also kind of like. Um, well, it's it's almost like a like a slasher movie in a way, or like some kind of like weird. Well, there's a lot of double crosses going on. This feels yeah. a little bit like a little bit more like a mystery novel. Yeah, and uh, so there, one team of bad guys has one half of, a, and I think it's American currency. It's American currency. They They're have, they have the front side of American of, currency, of but a, a one dollar bill. You have and a plate, so you can a you plate, can make so you one. can print the one side. But another group has the other side, and it's yeah. about a, a they, matter of getting the plates together, but. Once they are together, which of the bad guys is going to abscond and betray yeah. the other one? And who's well? And there's like, who's going to have what percentage? And uh, everyone's like staying in this house. And if Matthew and and Father Unwin hadn't actually shown up, I'm pretty sure all of these people would have just killed each other. Yeah, because they're constantly <laughs> betraying each other. Well, one of them like like uh, uh, locks everyone in the basement to die, like Edgar Allan Poe style. And then there's like a huge car chase. And in this one. Stanley Unwin and Matthew are shrunk, and so is the car. Yeah. So they're constantly they were shrunk. Uh, they're shrunk against their will, weren't they? Or did they shrink it on? I think they did on purpose because uh, the idea is they're manipulating the events so that these people will betray each other more and try to kill each other more without realizing anyone is manipulating them because they're constantly doing things like moving things around or spreading information or whatever. And so these people have no idea that this tiny priest is trying to destroy them. And then it leads to a really elaborate car chase in which people are driving around, crashing their car, getting on a motorcycle while this tiny and miniaturized model T is like <laughs> zipping around construction sites and stuff like that. And eventually there's like a, they get in an airplane, but they realize they don't know how to fly it. And they start like zooming around and then someone falls out of the airplane, presumably dead. And then they crash into a barn where everyone else is. And it's like, it's fucking weird. <laughs> and the way that it is presented is kind of creepy. Like it's almost out of a giallo just in mm. terms of like how, how awful all the characters are and how they're trying to murder each other. I really like that episode. That's a very, that's an <laughs> well, episode. Un- the, the tone is unlike the other ones. It's a little darker. It, it's a little darker. And it's one of the few episodes where the uh, villains have character. Yeah. Uh, the villains are usually just spy bad guys. Yeah, uh, I, I they're, honestly they're kind I, of indistinguishable. I honestly think they, they reused. Po- I, I think they reused the puppets a lot of the time just because there was generic bad guy puppet. I, maybe so. I yeah. I do admire that they the number of puppets they built. Oh, they yeah. didn't just have like two or three and then like just like swapped out the wigs. They no, they cheap- like sculpted new faces for a lot of. They them. didn't cheap out, but I just yeah. feel like a lot of the bad guys were so generic that if they didn't. They actually made new faces. They didn't need to bother. Yeah. <laughs> it's just generic bad guy this, this week and the next week and the week after uh, that. I don't know who the first author was mm. to write a mystery novel with a member of the clergy as the investigator. I, don't know, uh, I know, like, there's there's a lot of series. There's like, um, what was that Tom Bosley series that was based on an older? Um, oh, I don't know actually. It's like Father McMurtry murders or whatever it was. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's there's a, a tradition of mystery novels starring clergy members. The Father Dowling, the Father Dowling mysteries, yeah. which I think was based on like books from the seventies. Uh, this feels like that. The Secret Service feels yeah. like those novels that kind of like pulpy, off the rack, 
stories, but uh, the priest is the reason we're here. What is their reasoning going to be like? Mm. Is the case clever? It doesn't really matter if we like the detective. Mm -hmm. I like Father Stanley Unwin. I like this this idea of a very polite, kind, gentle priest. He's not a kung fu priest. No. He's not, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't kick ass guns. for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not grizzled or tough. He's not t- tortured, for goodness sake. Uh, he's just this kind old dude who does yeah. funny things. And he's based on this sort of comedic persona of the stand up comedian. Yeah. And, or I don't know if stand up, just a comedian. I think he did both, uh, but yeah. Uh, and I like seeing him get into merry adventures. Yeah. It's because it's a kids' program. It's pretty gentle, even when things blow up, or even when it is kind of dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you're only seeing the dolls, so the the curse is kind of taken off. Of yeah, I, I, it's a sweet show. It's yeah. a cute show. I'm not. I, I wish I was more familiar with Stanley Unwin as an entertainer beyond this show because I mm. feel like yeah, I don't know I'm, him. That's at the thing. All. I feel like I feel like this is a weird place to enter his filmography or his uh, his career. This one like weird side project that mm. capitalized on his pre existing fame, and we're not bringing that fame with us. We're kind of watching the show as its own thing. This could have been an entirely original character, and it would mean just as much to us. Yeah. So that's not we're not quite on the show's wavelength what they're intending, but it's cute. And I think I've been thinking a lot. The last few years, and we've talked about this on many a show uh, in a variety of different contexts, but um, popular culture has a particular take on people involved in on all levels and all organizations in law enforcement. Yeah. Which is to say that with the exception of the occasional show like The Shield, uh, they're all good. They're, yeah, there's law, a law... The notion is that law enforcement, as it stands, mm. is a venerable institution, yeah. and those in, and it is designed in a way uh, that works, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to work well most of the time. And on the occasions in which uh, bureaucracy perhaps gets in the way of catching an actual bad guy, well, in that case, your hero is allowed to completely break the law because they are paragons of moral virtue, and if they have to do it, it mm. is therefore good. It's, it's the superhero thinking. They're good guys. Yeah. So what did they do henceforth is good. Yeah, even if it's bad. Mm. Uh, and um, I don't think we've done a very good job of reckoning with that and how that creates an image in our head of law enforcement that is at best unrealistic and at worst dangerous because it suggests that they are something that they are not and in the last week or so uh, this episode uh is being released on uh may 28th Mm. 2022 uh after a particularly disastrous incident in texas which won't go into great detail Mm. but suffice it to say none of us are particularly happy with how the police handled it I think we're we're disillusioned with a lot of people who would be considered heroes. And when I'm watching something well, it, like that is that is in media, which yeah. is in media. When and when we're watching, I, for me, when I watch like a cop show, it's really hard for me to get on board with the idea. When I'm watching a bad boys movie, mm. really hard for me to get along on yeah, board the, with the um, idea that what they're doing is cool because usually it's unrealistic in the extent that. A, I don't believe you'd actually put yourself in harm's way to save people anymore. And B, you're breaking a ton of laws. Yeah, there's a lot of destruction in yeah. a movie like that. Yeah, but... Uh, I, I, yeah. I prefer uh, something like Law & Order, which, you know, same problem. We're still yeah. venerating cops and looking at uh, police work as kind of an un- un- unexamable institution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, 
in something like that order, still a fantasy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not there's, realistic. There's some, there's some based on reality. It takes place elements, in the real but world, like, yeah. but it, it is a, a fantastical show. Yeah. Uh, there's at least this notion that detect there are committed detectives who aren't breaking rules. They're mm-hmm. just trying. Some to, people are trying. Trying yeah. to do it by the book, and even okay. though you know, however unrealistic that might be. Yeah. And how, however, damaging that may be to sort of the notion of police work in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, at the very least, we are seeing nobility at work, right? Not destruction in the name of nobility. Indeed. But my point, I bring this up not to bring everyone down or not to make you know a, a, a lofty point, but because I was thinking about this a lot when I was watching the Secret Service, because the Secret Service it's a fictional you know spy organization, Bishop. It's a show about a stand-up comedian playing a priest. Who's a puppet who solves crimes hmm. with a shrinky guy? Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a little easy to detach from this. <laughs> exactly my point. I it is easier for me to detach and watch this show and appreciate it as a fantasy mm. than it is for me to watch most other cop shows right now <laughs> and even some superhero stuff yeah. because this is clearly tweet. You described it as twee. Great example. You can only take this so seriously. It is clearly light. Frothy. Mm. The concept is nonsense. The presentation is nonsense, and you are invited to simply accept that and go with it. Yeah, this well, is a and, fantasy and also, uh, in which a priest saves the day from James Bond villains mm. using silly dialogue as his weapon mm. of choice. And uh, yeah, cute. He, he doesn't. He doesn't kill. That's not their goal. Nope. Uh, you, you said there's like some collateral damage, but you know, there's I, occasionally also, some guys who die, but they're not trying to do it. I know? also like to think like, oh no, a guy fell out of a plane. Oh, yeah, he's a puppet. He'll fall. He'll be fine. <laughs> just glue his arm back on. He'll like, be that's all like right. the Lego movie. Like there's only so much damage can be yeah, done. You yeah, just put him back together again. Yeah. Uh, so even if somebody gets harmed, I'm not. I don't picture like a Again, bullet ripping through. Their there's bodies. a disconnect. These are puppets. There's yeah, a disconnect yeah. here, and we're also allowed, uh, yeah. the. Uh, the spy genre has a little bit of a curse taken off of it, uh, as is, you know, spy, spies, you know, you could argue they're essentially the same as cops, but the idea of spies is that they are called in for rather extraordinary circumstances. Well, in movies, it's not anyway. A, yeah, in, movies, in, in reality, it's, not, it's actually more, much, usually much more mundane than again, that. Again, this, yeah. this is the movie version of spies. Yeah. Uh, you know, James Bond is called in because there's another bazillionaire who has a death machine. Yeah. There's not a lot of those. He's not, like, doing well, five of those a week. There's, there's, there's a few. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's 24 in total, all right? That's all we've ever I had. I know. <laughs> And that's been since the 60s. But there's so always one more. There's always one more. <laughs> there's, there's always, always one more that's like following in their tracks. Mm. That damn Moonraker. Like, he had a good idea. I'm just like going to finish the project. Every six or seven years, like, we call him in again. And that's all we ever need him for. So yeah, basically, yeah. The idea that a spy with a shrink machine, you know, he's taking care of some... Mm. It's a weekly show, but... Yeah. Special circumstances. Agreed. He's, he's uh, not just sort of going out into the people and, you know, causing malfeasance. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's a cute, weird show. It got canceled... Not because of ratings, although they shot themselves in the foot by not airing it in all the places that they could. Mm. And it didn't get canceled because, like, people didn't like it. Reviews were mixed, but, you know, it's a weird show. Um, it got canceled because the producer watched the show after they'd already been making it for a while. They had 13 episodes in the can. And he got to the part where Stanley Unwin spoke Unwinese. And he said, people aren't going to be able to understand what he's saying. <laughs> this is stupid. We can't sell this show. I that's, think, that's especially overseas. The selling point of the gag. And so he canned it. And I'm like, yeah, that's like watching a Star Wars. Imagine if like a producer had gone Absolutely. into Star Wars and say, you can't have laser swords. That's not a thing. 
cancel it. Was, We're not uh, even going to release the fucker. Or hiring Jim Carrey and complaining that he is a little too rubbery and energetic. Yeah, like it's, this is this is the selling. You're confusing the selling point for the flaw, which is weird because you'd think they would have agreed to make the show specifically because Stanley Unwin was famous. That's kind of the big deal here. I guess they were more interested in the marionation and didn't really think about that. But in any case, yeah, they thought it was just hard to understand, confusing premise, uh, and difficult to sell overseas. The last one, probably true. I can't imagine this one being as successful in the Americas uh, as maybe Thunderbirds or some of the other more broadly painted ones. Uh, But um, yeah, so it got canceled halfway through the first season. Possibly would have been the only season. That's how they made these. If it was really successful, they might have done more. Um, and uh, that was that. That's it. Uh, if it had continued, it would have been the same episode every goddamn week. Well, here, I think <laughs> I think they would have had to throw it up eventually and introduce yeah. like an, another supporting character, or mm-hmm. um, uh, Mrs. Appleby would have gotten a little bit more mm, more, uh, more involved with yeah. it. Uh, that have been fun. Brought in uh, some other because he has the shrinking widget. They would have had yeah. to had like another kind of widget, like a, you know, mm. maybe a flying machine or. A, I'm not convinced, honestly. I honestly think they would have... Transformation where they can swap bodies, something like that. I, I'm sure there would have been like a body swapping episode that would have been funny, but mm-hmm. like I guarantee you the format would have stayed the same. Absolutely. It would have been the same yeah. fucking thing. There's bad guys do a bad guy thing. Stanley and Matthew are called in. Matthew gets shrunk. Occasionally we'll dink around with that a little bit where Stanley Unwin or Mrs. Appleby gets shrunk too. Mm-hmm. But usually Matthew gets shrunk. We stop the bad guys. There's some kind of like weirdly gigantic premise that in real live action would have been like huge and expensive. But here we're going to do it cute with puppets, like mm. crashing a plane, derailing a train, that kind of shit. That's always fun. And then at the end, he'll, he'll lead a mass and there'll be some kind of weird <laughs> hymn. Like, Oh, let's sing, let's sing on my favorite hymn. Uh, oh God. All what on earth were those counterfeiters all about? Um, <laughs> Oh God! What on earth is those counterfeits about? <laughs> uh, was was this show canceled too soon? Uh, this is one of those cases where I actually really like this show, but I like as much as we got. Yeah, I, I feel like it it would have lost some of its specialness if we had too much of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it is, you, you can poke around. You can find it online. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it has been released in high quality uh, around the world. It's, it's been released on DVD. You little, can get a little it. more difficult yeah. to find here in the U.S., but uh, yeah. you can probably find it a little bit easier in England. Uh, if you're one of our English listeners, I know we have several. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know uh, if like how readily available a lot of the uh, Jerry and Silly Anderson mm-hmm. stuff is. If it's like. If it's still just Thunderbirds, or if you can get like, well, some I, of the I know the Secret shows. Service amongst Jerry Anderson fans is a mm-hmm. bit of a black sheep. Okay, uh, some people consider it like you know a weird, you know, oh, it's the weird one, but we like it. Some people consider think, it like the think, bad one. I think it was I the know. last, uh, the last Super Marionation show they did. I think uh, he did one in like the eighties or something afterwards. Like he brought it back a long time later, but it was and, the last and, one. And they for did, a while. and they did live action stuff as well. Space nineteen eighty nine yeah. is theirs. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you're saying it wasn't canceled too soon, but you I'm, like it. I'm saying it it, it wasn't canceled too soon, but I, I do recommend it, and I think people should see this show. Yeah, I'm kind of with you I, on I, it. I don't, I don't want to see 100 episodes of The Secret Service. No, Service. I, I can't see, imagine I, 100 I want to see 13, and I'm happy with the, this little yeah. taste. I honestly think even so. 26 is just pushing it. I think it, yeah. I, I think you can see them like kind of straining against the concept in mm. 13, where it's like, I don't know if we have this many good shows out of this. Uh, but it's definitely cute, and I think even if you don't watch all of it, if you just cherry pick the handful of episodes we we said were notable, um, you'll see a cute, interesting, weird show 
Again, great opening score. Love the opening score to pieces. Um, love it. Um, but yeah, it's cute. Again, this is my first Super Mario Nation show I've watched in its entirety. I'm not sure I'm desperate to keep looking at it and finding more. Are, but are, I'm, well, I, I get it, I think, a little bit better now, and I'm definitely not question. opposed. Are, are you, are you, you said you, you were a little bit lost in sort of the uncanny valley-ness of the puppetry. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, is it so off-putting that you don't want to see more Super Mario Nation? No, it's not so... Or do you like the puppetiness of it and the sort of disconnect from reality as a, a sort of pleasant fantasy place to put your head? Both. It's a little bit of both, actually. Right. I, I, it's definitely not something... I'm going to seek out because it gives me definitely not nostalgic. I didn't grow up with it, but like uh, comfort or there's something about it that like really deeply connects with me on like a personal level or even just, I think it's so sweet. I can just like enjoy it and like watch it for fun. Mm. Uh, It's definitely not something I'm going to be actively seeking out much of. Okay. But I'm glad I saw it because it's, it's this weird, like sort of, uh, um, uh, it's like a whole shelf in the pop culture library I've never touched before. Okay. And I get to say, okay, well, I've seen some Super Mario Nation. I saw the weird one that nobody talks about, but I saw some. <laughs> and I think it's kind of neat. I appreciate it on a level. And maybe if there's like a particularly great show, like how many have you seen uh, Super okay. Mario Nation shows? Uh, Thunderbirds. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of these are from my childhood. I yeah, don't, yeah, I don't expect you to watch them all. Joe like, ninety, last week. Fireball XL five. Uh, okay. I think I saw some of Supercar. Um, okay, I think I might be at. Okay, of those, and again, I realize you're going off of your memory. Yeah, and I realize Thunderbirds is the most popular one. But set that aside for a second. What is the best show? Like the actual uh, best made show, good, uh, I, I, such as they are, good stories, yeah. fun to watch. They're all kind of equal in my head, actually. Okay. Um, you know, earlier and later, um, the technology in the later ones is better. Okay. Uh, like they, they actually got a lot better about sort of the miniatures. Um, I think I like something like the Secret Service a little bit better, just because of the mm. realistic proportions. Okay. They're trying to make like it passes a little bit better, which makes the the miniatures a little bit more exciting. Okay. So uh, this is actually you think this might be your favorite. Uh, well, my favorite are the movies. I like Thunderbirds. Okay. I like Thunderbirds Argo the movie, and I like okay. Thunderbird Six the movie. All right, uh, I can, and th- those I, I think you can rent just about anywhere. Maybe I, okay. Maybe at some point I'll watch those for fun, like yeah. one movie. I'll give it a try and see if maybe maybe with they're throwing some extra effort at it, maybe yeah, no. it'll really get me. To to warn you though, if you're going to go with Thunderbirds Argo, mm. uh, know that that movie. Uh, it is just this extended sequence of mm. really slow-moving vehicle fetish. Uh, I mean, Thunderbirds is vehicle fetish anyway. It's about okay. you know, these fast machines, these giant planes. That's actually a lot of Sylvia and Jerry Anderson stuff. Uh, the first, like, maybe seven minutes of Thunderbirds Argo are just the assemblage of a gigantic aircraft. Like, that's in pieces, and they're pushing it up, the pieces around on, an, like, an airport uh, tarmac. And they're just very slowly inserting them and assembling them together. And it takes a long time. There's no music. It's just plain noises. And we get to see these things sort of fit together. And I think the idea is your awe as a young child is growing, watching this machine get larger and larger. But it's not. It's almost this weird, slow cinema contemplative moment mm-hmm. <laughs> of the Thunderbird airship being assembled at the beginning of Thunderbirds Ago. Sounds, like, sounds that, like Star Trek The Motion Picture, yeah. 
A little bit. Yeah, um, like, ooh, look at how big that is. Yeah, but, but there's no score to accompany it. It's oh, no. Like, yeah, it's oh, God. That sounds random. awful. Uh, so just steal yourself for that. The whole movie isn't that. Understand once that sequence is over and once things get started, it's still a little slow moving, but you know at least other things are happening in Thunderbirds are go. Awesome. Uh, Thunderbirds 6 has a faster pace. There's actually a little bit more going on. So mm. if, if you, if that, even that one was boring to you, you can still watch the sequel and get a little bit more. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, that is it for cancel too soon this week. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks, uh, with our next episode, which is a sci-fi television series. Lasted only six episodes from the stars of Babylon five and star Wars. You got Claudia Christian and Jeremy Bullock, the original Boba Fett in star hike, which, uh, yeah, if you think it takes a long time to go to the end of the galaxy at warp five, <laughs> imagine walking. It takes a bit. Uh, no, this is a sci-fi series that I actually only just just learned about, uh, in which it's the distant future, and humanity has become an emotionless conquering race that destroys every alien species it the finds. Hum- that's the humans. Yeah, that's the humans are the bad guys, and uh, the captain of a human ship played by Claudia, Claudia Christian. Uh, encounters some heroic rebel uh, reptile species that unleashes a new weapon that unleashes emotions onto humanity, and now everyone on the ship is dealing with having emotions for the first time. <laughs> it sounds like an interesting premise, and I'm looking forward to checking it out. It lasted only six episodes in 2011. So we're going to check out Star Hike on the next episode of Cancelled Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, uh, for supporting the show. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons in particular, without whom the show would not exist. If you would like to become a patron, we would love to have you, and you get a lot of exclusive stuff for your trouble. Uh, that is patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. You get the vote for future episodes of some of our shows. You get ad-free episodes of our shows. And depending on what tier you're on, you can get exclusive podcasts like Only the Best, where mm. we review every Best Picture nominee ever. Where we have All Our Yesterdays, where we review every single episode of Star Trek in order. We have commentary tracks. We have trivia nights with our patrons. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so... Head on over there if you want to help out the show. We sure would love to have you. Uh, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, do you remember watching The Secret Service? Either in its original run or perhaps in a rerun? Uh, or do you remember watching any Super Mary Nation? Do you want to talk about anything we discussed on the show? Want to correct us about anything? Feel free to email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email and answer it in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. Whitney, what is our P.O. box for those who prefer to write a letter the old-fashioned way? Send us an actual... Well, first of all, attach it to a carrier pigeon. <laughs> the ones yes. you keep on your roof, you pigeon okay. fanciers. Or, or you can I'll put a stamp on it. Luca would love that. Just send him pigeons. The pigeon, send my cat pigeons. The pigeon leaves. <laughs> uh, Not Luca has to say. <laughs> Uh, critically acclaimed network P.O. Box 641565 Los Angeles, California 90064 Thank you And of course we're on Twitter At Critic Acclaim I am at William Bibiani I'm at Whitney Seibold And uh, that's a wrap We'll see you next season Music